Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a great time of year. It is. It's a magical time of year. When you are 12 years from 70, you don't know how many more 12 days of Christmas you're going to have. But no one can turn it Just ugly or darker than you. You're the Grinch. Yeah, that's the fits well. There we no, go. No, no, I'm not. Now no, you're in the spirit. Don't put that on me. Look at that. There you don't are. Put that on me. Can we Damn, do the whole bad. show like this? Can we do the whole show like this? No, it would be an improvement, it's right? An improvement. <laughs> it is an improvement. You need to trim uh, your eyebrows I, a little you know, bit. Oh, baby. You want festive? Oh. I don't have any decorations, but I do have this sweater, a gift from Rob Hyland, the Sunday Night Football producer, when we did Secret Santa a few years ago in the viewing room. We didn't hand out Secret Santa names this year unless I was bypassed. No, we didn't. We didn't do it. Yep. But that's, um, that's, you know, good to get in the holiday spirit. That's one of those sweatshirts that's, I, you know, it's ugly. I don't know what else to say, but good for you for wearing it on TV and, and showing it. It's ugly called sweater. Ugly sweater. Is that ugly officially sweater. what they call it? Uh, but not yeah, bad. Yeah. How it's, old are you? How long have you been around? Are you aware of Christmas? I, you know, I, it's funny. I just had a flashback. Right. I just had a flashback. I was getting on a plane four, maybe five years ago, coming up for the weekend. And Wallace Shawn, do you know who Wallace Shawn is? Are I do not. with Wallace Shawn? No. He's the actor who uttered the line over and over again, inconceivable in The Princess Bride. And he's the voice of the dinosaur in the Toy Story movies. And he's been in many other things over the years. Wallace Shawn, short, balding, very distinctive voice. Anyway, he's getting on the plane and he had somebody who's a fan who was like bothering him. And the topic of the ugly sweater came up and Wallace Shawn had no idea. Wallace Shawn is like Christopher David Sims. No idea of the ugly sweater phenomenon. It's a Christmas staple. I mean, so, I, I did know it. I did. I don't know. know. Yeah, I, I did. Right. I did know. Yes, I did. In fact, you're going to see me shortly uh, here in the next few days with an ugly Christmas sweater on myself. So I, I was aware of it. 
But like when you said it, I was like, wait, is there something else I don't know about it? And I thought a little too analytically about it and went too deep into it to going like, is the actual brand name of the sweater, ugly sweater? Like that's what I was actually like going to. It's early in the morning. I'm sorry. I'm a little cloudy that way. Either way. Thanks yeah. for cheering up a little bit, not being the Grinch, and your sweater is ugly, so welcome to the I was to the happy yesterday. <laughs> I was happy yesterday. Farther down, there is a Vikings logo. There are three That's Vikings That's what I was going to ask. Okay, it's on there. But Good. They, are, they are on there. They are on there. So uh, it's the shortest day of the year, too. I always think of that on December 21. That they all get it's longer only going to get here. better from here. Right, right. It's only going to get better from here. This is where it bottoms out. Shortest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere for those of you who are listening in the southern hemisphere cold as hell up here longest day of the year so enjoy but yeah cold here too oh and we had a little furnace issue that i found out about just before bed so there was no heat in our bedroom last night so the dog the dog was more than welcome to (laughs) to join us and provide a source of of a little extra supplemental heat. Did you check night. the thermostat? Like, what did it say it was at? How cold did it get in the in the room last night on a night like last night? I mean, here last night, it was like mid-20s and windy, right? So you could really feel, especially in my old farmhouse, I could kind of feel the air coming through the windows. I know you have a chateau, but, you know, like, what are we talking? What temperatures did it drop down to there? Well, what happened was it was about 11.15, and my wife texted me a photo of the thermostat just outside the bedroom that was set on 71, but the temperature said 68, which alerted me to the fact that we had an issue with the furnace. And it's actually, it's a boiler, and then there's an air system that pushes the air through the house. That, you know, it was like that when we got here, and I'm not going to completely rip out the heating system and put in a new one. So... The boiler, which was just repaired yesterday, was not working. So, actually, men are on the scene right now fixing it. Wow. Because, you know, well, it's red alert. It was, I don't know, I didn't check to see what the temperature was when I woke up, but I know this, it was it was cold. You know, once, once it was time to get out from under the blanket, and it was like, holy crap, it was like jumping into an ice bath. So, yeah, it, it was cold on that side of the house. So all right, good. Hopefully it'll get good. fixed. All right. Well, at least you had uh, Macy up there to make you warm. That's you good. Know, we got, you know, we got, we, got, we got two systems, though, so this side of the house is fine. Oh, this okay, that's right. Cold. That's right. And, Deb, I mean, yeah, two systems. I mean, you're just giving us an inside look at the house. People there at the house already at 7.05, I mean – yeah, I mean, damn, when you're rich, they, they well, come in a hurry, don't they? They get listen, there in a hurry like that. Boom, I need you now. The sun's not up. Get over here. <laughs> I'm just taking the inspiration that we both experienced in February in Indianapolis when we said to Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel, can't hide money, and his response right away was, not trying not to. Not trying to. He's so, still not trying to. I kind of like to. that. <laughs> I kind of like that. All right. Although, he does need – he does need – I watched Hard Knocks again. Yeah. He does need to, to like, mix it up a little. Like, every once in a while, wear pants that actually make it down to his shoes. Like, that can't <laughs> be too, your thing. He's cool, you man. never wear pants. But you can't – you have to – because it just becomes cliche if every single day of your life you wear a pair of pants that – only make it halfway down your lower leg. Well, when he's not in Miami, I'm guessing he will. When he gets out of Miami or it gets a little colder, I'm guessing we'll start to see full-fledged pants again. But, like, that's kind of the style right now, and he is in warm weather more times than not. So I get that. I hear you. 
You know, but I'm like, it, it, well, I, they don't have any late game. Ro- like, do they play Baltimore and Baltimore next week? I'll be interested to see. I think that's in Baltimore. That'll be interesting to that's see. That's a great point. Right? What he'll be wearing Will there. he have his, right. his, his short, kind of short pants on in Baltimore outdoors? But see, once you've gone all in, once you've fully committed to the bit, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to change because then what happens is you start getting – grief from people in last night's hard knocks he was getting grief from somebody with the jets that he needs to work on his calves <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so at some point when you start wearing normal pants you're going to get grief for that too so anyway it, it, he is one of a kind he makes hard knocks less boring it would be more boring. it's good it really isn't any uh, it's it's good but it could be so much better I don't want to sit here and be the, oh, it stinks. <laughs> but when you watch it, when you watch it and you think, man, this really could be better. We, they really Like, half of every episode is just a really deep dive look at the game. And the game itself, with right. It's like an old NFL films. And yeah, right. It right. is. You're, you're right. I haven't seen every episode, but I think I've seen most of them. I caught up. And uh, yeah, you're right. It does seem like from the training camp ways – a little more game emphasis in this one where, yeah, you get the in, you know, inside the in, in behind-the-scenes type of look or whatever, but it, it is a little different. Enjoyable, though. It really is. And it's cool just because I think, you know, how good they are, right? The AFC so up for grabs right now. You certainly – we know that they're one of the top teams there, and I feel like it's rare we get an inside look of a team of this quality, you know, on this type of show. That's where I think it's maybe a little more interesting than years past. Yeah, it was the Cardinals, then the Colts, and now it's the Dolphins. And it lasts as long as the Dolphins are alive. And, you know, it occurred to me last night at a time when folks are slapping on the tinfoil hats as it relates to all things gambling and bad calls and good calls and this and that. I'm surprised, and I won't be surprised. I won't be surprised is a better way to put it if the Dolphins get some very favorable call go their way that screws their opponent in the postseason and they advance someone's going to say oh they just want to have another episode of hard knocks that's why the nfl did that the nfl wants them to keep playing because the nfl wants to keep milking this hard knocks cow for as long as it can although again i don't think that would be the case but i do think that there would be people who believe that and by the way i do need to take issue before we move yeah on. Take i don't some know how i've been typecast as the grinch right how have i been typecast as the grinch how well, has that happened i love christmas no one no one there knows whether I love Christmas or don't love Christmas, the the fact that I wore this thing today for you right. should be proof that I love Christmas. I love Christmas. It's the best day of the year. Right. It was a magical time when I was a kid. It's a magical time now. Everybody is nicer in December. Look, there I am getting my Vikings right. jacket. Right. Back well, I mean, you're kind, you're even kind of mad saying this right now, so that's kind of Grinch-like. Like you're you're kind of mad as you're saying no, it's it. It's not. Then you just a second I'm ago not. you were like, well, I don't want to, you know, crap all over the Hard Knock show and go down that route, right? So you have a little that's tendency not to go. You have a little tendency to go a little negative every now and then. So. Therefore, I have no negativity about Christmas. No, I know that. No negativity. We know. We know you don't. Right. You're you're enjoying Christmas, but we're still going to give you a hard time. You're Doctor Doom, so Doctor Doom can't become freaking Santa Claus when it comes Christmas time. We got to keep you in character. All right. So you go from Doctor Doom, it becomes the holiday season. You become the Grinch. There you go. Boom. Right on the money. 
And you want to talk like, hey, we want to talk about calf work and all that with Mike McDaniel. I mean, we've seen your legs. We've seen your legs. You might be wearing shorts right now. So this is something that I'm not sure. Whoa, there they are. I don't know. When's the last time you've had some calf work? I'm not sure. You know what? You know what? What? I'm wearing the exact same shorts right now. (laughs) The exact same shorts. Uh, Let me tell you something. The control room is on it. We are on you. The control room is on it right now. Yeah, we're on you. All things you, we're on it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right, well, we got a good game tonight. You can't go Grinch on the game tonight. It's a good one. You're going to have to talk all excited about it and everything. Look at this. Our favorite quarterback, Derek Carr, is playing tonight. <laughs> That's right. Reason Your favorite celebrate. quarterback. He's not following you on uh, on social media again yet, is he? He's still, oh, he's still not happening? He's blocked me. You can't <laughs> blocked follow you. somebody you've blocked. He blocked you. I'm sorry. Right. I have my facts mixed up. <laughs> he blocked me, and I've been blocked by various athletes over the years because they can't handle the truth. I don't even know what I said about Derek Carr to get him to block me. Now, once I realized he blocked me, I started saying some things. But I have no idea. I have no idea what I said for him to block me. It was as weird as, like, when Ben Roethlisberger blocked me. But Ben Roethlisberger, like, blocked everyone. Like, he just thought went in Rome. And they blamed it on whoever was running his social media account. And it was just blocking everybody. Like, it just made no sense. Like, like you had to be in a very... I like how did like with my son was blocked and he's like, I've never even mentioned the guy in my life. How did I get blocked? Like everybody was blocked. Like they flipped a switch where everyone was blocked and then they decided who not to block. So anyway, uh, yeah, Derek Carr's blocked me. Matthew Stafford, as far as I know, has not blocked me, although I don't know if he's on Twitter or not. But remember, we have established that there is an Instagram post out there that his wife made while they were on their way to their honeymoon. And. Matthew has PFT on his phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's... Because she wasn't happy. Yeah, right. Old habits die hard. Right. He's married, he's on his way to his honeymoon, and he's checking PFT. He wants to know what's going on, you know. And Stafford, without a doubt, he pays attention to PFT and what's going on there. Most veteran players do. Most veteran players, the young ones don't know about it, but as you get up there in years and you're around the NFL facility as much, where you have made, you know, a name for yourself really is you're the you're the go-to spot for coaches to let me look and just see what's going on in the NFL in a quick condensed way. I don't need every story about every team, but I have a good feel. And the veteran player, you know, you go in to see your quarterback coach and oh, hey, he's looking at PFT. Well, what's that you're looking at? Oh, this is what I always look at. That's kind of what happens. And that's really where you kind of take fire in in a in an NFL locker room, it's with the older players more times than not. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, once found out he was traded on, on PFT. PFT. Right, I remember hearing that story. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. He told me, he told me, hey, I need to tell you. Like the first time I ever talked to him, hey, I need to tell you something. When I got traded, and I think it was Rams to the Bengals. Yeah. When I got traded, they never told me. I saw it on PFT. That's amazing. I don't know what to say to that. Right. It's not my fault. They didn't tell you. Right. So, uh, and I'm told, I'm told, sources close to me tell me that Derek Carr has not yet blocked you. So my goal for the balance of this segment (laughs) will be to get Derek Carr Uh, to block you. I need you to say something. I'm going to get you to say something (laughs) that Derek Carr will block you for. And hopefully it'll be something that you make the comment and I can take it out of context and put it on Twitter. And (laughs) yeah. That's Out of context, happens. it sounds horrible. Right. Uh, let's. Yeah, it's right. So that's what I'm hoping for. I just want you to say, 
I want you to say just one, like, and maybe we can just splice together something. We're going to make something up, and and we'll put it on Twitter and see if Derek Carr blocks you. That'd okay. be a fun experiment. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll Try see to if you, we'll see if you can do it. The, the, the only negative thing I'll say about Derek Carr, I wonder, is I do wonder whether he's dyeing his hair and his beard. That is my. That's big, enough that, for him to block. That me. that might be. I just as a question. I think it's a fair colors. question. I think it's a fair question. But he's yeah. he's dyeing them different colors. Right, right. The hair is black, and the beard is kind of a had a little say, red tint. Or auburn. Yeah, right. Auburn. Right. Chestnut. Yeah, the hair and the beard are different colors, and I do think I do think the shoe polish has made its way into the mix. It's okay. It's okay. Derek, you will die one day. You will get old if you're lucky. Just embrace it and own it like I have. There he is. One thing that's amazing to me. Let me tell you something. One yeah, thing that's amazing tell me to something, me, Grinch. I noticed Go this ahead. last night. I'll tell you one more thing. Yeah. The lighting up here makes my hair look mainly black. The lighting in my office when I do PFTPM, there ain't no black to be seen. Yeah. Like, it's all shiny gray. It's like I got two different, I got two different wigs I wear. The upstairs wig and the downstairs wig. One is black and one is gray. Yes. Anyway, Derek. It's okay to have some gray hair. It's okay. It'll make you look distinguished. It'll make you more of a leader. Maybe they'll be more likely to listen to you and follow you the way that you want them to if you let some of that gray out and wash out the black. All right. Maybe that's enough to get Chris blocked. I'm trying my <laughs> yeah, you're doing it Saints for me. Saints and Rams, both are 7-7. Seven and seven. Both are alive for a wild card. Saints also have. Saints got the two-way path to the playoffs. They're knotted up with the Buccaneers, who they host next week for the NFC South Championship, and they're in the mix with the other 7-7 seven and seven teams, either currently holding 6-7, and seven, Vikings and Rams respectively, or along with the Seahawks in the hunt. There's the Falcons and Packers at 6-8 and eight, still on the in-the-hunt column. So the Saints have two ways to get in, and it would help to win tonight. And it would help the Rams to win tonight. And they're playing at SoFi Stadium. And I like this because this is an old... Yeah. NFC West. West rivalry. Yeah. The first time the Saints ever won a playoff game. Playoffs was playoffs. against the Rams yeah. in 2000. They were the St. Louis right? Rams, right? Rams in but 2000. Yep, yep, right. Exactly. Right. But that was the first time they upset Kurt the Warner. greatest show-offs on turf yeah. in 2000. The one year they didn't go to the Super Bowl from 1999 to 2001. Wild card loss to the New Orleans Saints in 2000. The Saints would go on to Minnesota next week and get splattered by the Vikings one week before the Vikings would go to go to the Meadowlands and lose 40 Yeah, I thought so. nothing. Booyah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Take that ugly sweater. Jason Garrett Jason Garrett was on that team, <laughs> yeah, that Giants team. He was. He was. So we'll gang up on you and remind you of that a little bit this weekend uh, to have some fun. But, yeah, it, it is. It's old school. Okay. NFC West. I mean, I grew up with, you know, Jim Everett, Bobby Bear, right? Playing in some big games this, you know, late 80s, early 90s, certainly. And there's some good teams, of course, with that Saints defense and Pat Swilling and Sam Mills and, you know, Flipper Anderson Ronaldo and Turnbull. Henry Eller. Do you remember? What's that? Do you remember Ronaldo Turnbull, oh. West Virginia great? Yeah. He was, he was, a, he was a beast for the Saints defense in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. A beast. They had a lot of beasts. They were definitely one of the defenses that when my dad played, I definitely had a set more sense of fear than I did, you know, against other teams. The Eagles, that Saints pass rush, even the Vikings with Dolman and Millard, right? Millard. Those, yeah. Chris Millard. Randall. Yeah, right. Those were those were Henry some Thomas defenses as a son of a father that's playing, you know, 
uh, quarterback for a football team. They, they made you scared a little bit sitting in the stands watching the game. Keith Millard tore an ACL in 1990, opened the door for an undrafted free agent from Texas A&I named John Randall that nobody Crazy. wanted because he was undersized. And that was that, that was, was the, that. Uh, the start yeah. of John Randall's Hall of Fame career. Undrafted when they had 12 rounds, not just seven rounds. That was John Randall. Okay, so tonight, yeah. Rams. Oh, and I don't know if you saw this. They asked Cooper Cup about playing on turf twice in five days because it was SoFi Stadium Sunday against the Commanders. Yeah. SoFi Stadium Thursday night. I hate it. I hate it. I'm still waiting for one player, one current player. Former players don't count. Former players don't count because they're writing checks that they don't have to cash. Right. You know, when Eli Manning says it's fine, Eli Manning's on the payroll in yes. a variety of ways. Right. He still works for the Giants. That's right. He's working for ESPN, which is kind of indirectly on the payroll. I didn't get that memo as an employee of NBC. But – but former players don't count. Current players count. And there's yet to be a single one that has said, you know what? I, I, I prefer turf. It, 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 even though I can't get out of bed the next day, I'm faster when I run on it. No one said that. Yeah. It's all players saying, we don't want to do it. So here we are, SoFi Stadium, turf. The Rams are there Sunday and then again today. And the Saints have just been there for the past few games. They were at home on turf on Sunday against I can't even remember who they beat on Sunday, frankly. Who did they, they beat play, on Sunday? They beat the Giants. Already, it's, Tommy it's already DeVito. already faded out of my yeah. memory. Oh, oh, the Giants. Right. Oh, and Pete, Pete, Pete's like, the New York Yeah, the New York yeah. Every time they sacked Tommy yeah. DeVito, they, they did this to rub it rub it in our face there yeah. a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that's what we had to deal with. But uh, they, got a, they got a different challenge tonight, the New Orleans Saints defense. That, that's for sure. I mean, the Rams are arguably the hottest offense in football right now. They're right up there. I mean, hottest offense in football, not named the 49ers, right? Let's, let's put it that way because we know the 49ers are in another stratosphere. But, you know, you've heard me talk about this a little bit lately. This is not news to anybody that's paying attention, really. But the Rams, I think the first thing is that, whoa, the, their ability to run the ball, their ability to run the ball over the last five or six weeks, again, I would say is second to no one in football except for the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they are moving people. It's as good as I've seen the run game for a Sean McVay football team ever in his era here as the Rams head coach. Their O-line is it's well coached. There's a little more creativity than there used to be in the run game altogether. And this Kyron Williams, he's shown me something that I, you know, I knew he was good and I knew he was good at Notre Dame, but he's, he's, he's on another level that I, I guess I didn't expect or didn't think he was going to be capable of in the NFL. I mean, you'll see tonight, there's no fear in Kyron Williams. He kind of has that 49er attitude that we talk about so much, where it's like, what, run through the wall? No problem. There is no fear or hesitation in his football game. Mike, you couple that with the Saints, who can't stop the run. They're not very good at that. They play man-to-man a lot against Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and McVay's ability to design plays. And then, you know, you can't sack. Matt Stafford right now, pass protection, his ability to get it out is top-notch. And the Saints, they don't get after the quarterback. They can't get sacks. So that's where that side of the ball certainly could give us some fireworks. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Saints do uh, to stop this, this hot Rams offense right now. Kyron Williams, despite missing four games, is fourth in the NFL in crazy? rushing with 953 yards. Right? He's averaging 95.3 yards per game. That leads the league among all running backs. We think of the Rams as a passing team, and 
they've defied that. And the offensive line, see, that's what happens. When an offense is bad, oh, the offensive line sucks. When an offense is good, hey, that running back's really something. Hey, Matthew Stafford is is throwing dot, dot, dots. It's not, man, the offensive line is really blocking well. Why would anyone want to be an offensive lineman? Think about that. I know. When things go well, you get no credit. When things go poorly, you get all the blame. Yeah. No, it's 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 the uh the the selfless duty, you know, of an offensive lineman. You you don't get any credit really for the most part when you're really playing well. But when you're not playing well, man, everybody in the universe craps on you and tells you how bad you are. It it is. It's unfortunate. But they're built for it. That's why they're, you know, they're like pack herd animals. Like you've heard me say, they're cows in the corner of the pasture there, right? They're just it. Nobody likes us. Moo. Nobody likes us. Moo. Right. You know, but we're going to move these people out of the way and make a hole for our, you know, our people that that's how they are. And they are, their ability to block out noise like that was always impressive oh, in any locker room I was ever in. Uh, but yeah, this is a group here that it's, it's some turnaround with what they got going right now. You know, early in the year, it was it was dicey. You know, Stafford was getting hit a lot. You know, the running game was certainly not like what it is right now. I think if we probably broke it down over the last four or five weeks and what Kyron Williams has done, I would bet you he blows everybody out of the water as far as what he's doing in, in rushing yards and all that. I think the early season stats probably skew that and make it lower than it actually what the reality is of how good they are right now. But you couple that run game right now, the Saints having to worry about that, Mike, and then having to worry about, as we know, McVay's ability to package plays together off the motion, the run game, you know, the little option routes that Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua can run, and then when you overplay those a little bit, that's when they hit you behind with the other one. Cooper Cup runs the option round. Puka Nakua is running deep. They kind of use them against each other. Oh, Puka Nakua runs the option round. Cooper Cup runs deep. Uh, they got it. They got it going right now. And as we've been talking about for the last two weeks, like a, a dangerous team if they can get in the NFC playoffs, they really could upset the apple cart in a big way. eBay Motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease and a whole lot of love. You transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. To satisfy your curiosity regarding Kyron Williams, in his last game before missing... More than a month due to injury, he had 158 rushing yards against the Cardinals on 20 carries, 7.9 yards per attempt. That was October 15. He next played on November 26, also against the Cardinals. In that game, he had 143 on only 16 carries, 8.9 yards per attempt. He averaged one yard more in his return game against the Cardinals than in his exit game against the Cardinals. Since then, 88 yards 
on 21 carries in the win over the Browns, 114 in the overtime loss to the Ravens, and 152 against the Commanders this past weekend. So he has been on a tear. He only had one 100-yard game, 103 in the overtime win in Indianapolis back in early October. He's had 100-yard games, four out of the last five appearances with 88 in the game against the Browns. And that's the best defense in the NFL, and he still gained 88 yards yes. against the Cleveland Browns. Right. They, I mean, they put up 30-something points against the best defense in football. You know, They put up 31 points and ran the ball down the Ravens' throat. Like, not like tricks, not like reverses and, you know, let's do this and do that. They literally – remember? I mean, remember the game? We were sitting there going, is this like opposites day? I mean – the, the Rams, on the first drive of the game, I think ran the ball like 11 straight times, nine straight times. I know I'm probably getting my facts a little mixed up there, but it was something like that. I think I, I've never seen McVay do that. So there's a new wrinkle or, or you know, what do I want to say, just a, 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 a start-off point for this offense that we haven't seen in the McVay era, and I think it makes it dangerous. It does. With Stafford's ability, as we know, to throw the ball down the field right now, you you got to go. Wow, we got to overplay the run. We got to crowd the line of scrimmage, and then of course they got some weapons and a quarterback that's still got one of the most special arms in football to strike downfield like no other. And that's where you know the game could be fun tonight. It could be exciting that way with some big plays just because of that matchup. Let alone uh, the other side of the ball that we'll get to in a second. One last point on Kyron Williams over the last four weeks, 497 rushing yards. That leads the NFL. I Christian thought McCaffrey so. is second with yeah. 467. Nobody right. else is above 400. Now, Kyron Williams, not a rookie. Puka Nakua, you mentioned him earlier. Yeah. And my son and I have been having some conversations about what happens if C.J. Stroud doesn't play again this year. <coughs> and I don't know when he's going to be back from the concussion he suffered against the Jets. We showed yesterday video of a hit he took against the Broncos that sure looked like he should have been shut down for the day because he had ataxia as a layperson would assess it, wobbly, struggling. The NFL requires a player to be taken out of the game. He has light sensitivity now, reportedly. If he doesn't play again, who's the offensive rookie of the year? Has Stroud done enough? Is the hay in the barn on him? Is Puka in this? Is Sam Laporta in it? A tight end has never won it. My, my son is all Team Laporta. Tight end has never been the offensive rookie of the year. I don't know. I don't know. You know, we, we get so caught up in MVP. There's some other pretty compelling races for the individual awards out there. I don't know who the offensive rookie of the year is right now because I had just assumed it was Stroud. And now if Stroud's not playing, there's an opening for some late season heroics, big games, big moments, memorable plays for Puka Nakua, Sam Laporta, whoever else may be out there in the mix. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but Nakua and Laporta are the two that, that are most prominent for me I think as so. the alternative to C.J. Stroud. I don't think you're missing anybody else. I mean, there's the Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs up in Detroit, you know, but I don't – Yeah, Gibbs, not, maybe. Robinson right. Robinson hasn't been used enough. No. They don't yeah. give Robinson enough chances. He no. could have been. Great. He could have been. Right. But you use the eighth overall pick on the guy, you don't freaking use him. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, I think, you know, I think we, uh, we've hit the names there. I'm trying to just rack my brain here and think if there's anybody else we're missing, but I don't think so. And I think when you just talk about it, like, hey, C.J. Stroud obviously was in the leader house. We know that. But if he, you know, doesn't play again this weekend and – Coach gets off, or maybe just ends the season on a little bit of a blah note. 
And then, you know, again, Pat Puka Nakua, he dominated the news cycle for about the first five or six weeks of the year. We can't forget about that. He was record-breaking, doing stuff, things that were unbelievable. And then C.J. Stroud, you know, kind of overtook him in that talk. Cooper Cup got healthy and kind of put Puka Nakua back as the second option of the Rams. But I think that, you know, if C.J. Stroud ends on a kind of a blah note, and Puka Nakua continues to do what he's been doing and goes off tonight on a national audience and, and has a big game here. I mean, we're sitting here right now with 87 receptions, 1,163 yards, four touchdowns. You know, he's got a chance to end up with 1,500 yards maybe in the year, 1,600 yards, you know, maybe a few other touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I think he would be the next guy I would look at other than C.J. Stroud. It would go to Puka Nakua for what he did, holding down the fort for this team, why Cooper was hurt, and, of course, how he's played when Cooper got back in the in the mix has uh, all been impressive. That's the key. I mean, when Cooper Cup wasn't available, it's Nakua, and then when Cooper comes back, Puka's still a key piece of that offense. He's had some great catches. He's played through some injury. The guy's incredible. The guy's incredible, and he was a bargain. Fifth-round pick, I think, from Brigham Young. Fifth-rounder? Yeah. Fourth-rounder? Low-rounder. Low-rounder. Not an obvious no-brainer. This guy needs to be drafted high. He's going to be great. He was indeed a fifth-rounder. Okay. He's on pace for 1,412 yards, by the way. That would be second most in the Super Bowl era for a rookie behind Jamar Chase's 1,455 in his rookie season. I thought Randy Moss had a lot of yards. Maybe he was in the 1300s. He had like he had like 17, 17 18 touchdowns back in 1998. All right, and he was the offensive rookie of the year that way, too. Pete says the DraftKings Sportsbook odds for C.J. Stroud to win offensive rookie of the year are minus 10,000. That would seem to be a lock, but my point is this. If Stroud doesn't play again this year, and we don't know. We got three games left, and it's not looking like he's going to play this week, and you know, when you've got these lingering concussion issues, you either clear up right away or, like, who knows when you're able to come back. We sat, had some extended absences. Hayden Hurst had a concussion that I think they, you know, the spotters missed the opportunity to pull him out of the game. He hasn't played since, and that was over a month ago. So who knows when we'll see C.J. Stroud. But if he doesn't play again, it opens the door for Nakua, opens the door for Laporta, I think. But, but what do I know other than the fact that you and I have one of the votes? All right. Um, injuries tonight hurt the Rams more than the – or no, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Hurt yeah. the Saints more than the Rams. Definitely. We have the graphic. Ryan Ramchick is out for the Saints. Isaiah Foskey is out for the Saints. Peyton Turner. Yep. Lonnie Johnson. Kendra Miller all out for the no. Saints. The good news is Chris Olave, ankle, missed Sunday's game, will play Thursday night. There's just a couple – of Rams on that list. Travius Tomlinson is out. Joe Noteboom is questionable with a foot injury. So that's where we are for the injuries for tonight. And, you know, again, the Saints need all the help they can get in this one. The Saints, uh, you know, it's impressive they're 7-7. Seven and seven. If they somehow win this game, I'll view the Saints very differently. Do I view the Saints as just good enough to barely miss the playoffs? That's my perception yeah I, I feel you there I think I have a, a similar feeling that way as well but but you know a, a good game plan tonight you know a, a, a turnover maybe the Saints are a little more aggressive throwing the football make a few big plays right I mean I certainly wouldn't be shocked if we were sitting here going wow they made it into the playoffs still right but but yeah I think they're one of those teams that um it, they leave a little bit of a bad taste on your in your mouth on the offensive side of the ball. We've said that all year. 
it seems like they have better talent than what they kind of show on that side of the ball uh, throughout the year as far as explosive plays, right, consistency moving the ball. It's just been ugly that way, right? And they're not a very good running football team. Now, they stay consistent with the run. They're, they're patient with it, but they're, they're not really a good running football team. And then, you know, passing the football, they have potential. But as we know and, you know, kind of been a hot-button topic is, you know, the aggressiveness of the passing game. You know, one, it's not naturally within that offense. Two, I don't think it's naturally within Derek Carr, right? So, you know, that's where it's going to be interesting tonight. The Rams' defense is solid but not special. It's really well coached, but they are pretty big up front. They should be able to hold down the run a little bit, you know, with their front and especially the lack of, you know, sexiness or explosiveness in the Saints' run game. And I think that bodes well for the Rams and the fact that they can – as we always say, or as I always say, they could put more, wet, you know, one more egg in the let's stop the passing game. And that's, I think, fits Raheem Morris. And Raheem Morris, when I think about this too, right, this is a, a, a typical old school West Coast offense that Raheem Morris has grown up with. I mean, he, got, he grew up defending John Gruden in practice with Mike Tomlin and that crew there. You know, we know John Gruden went to the Saints and helped them out in, this, in the summer. Like, Raheem Morris is going to have a good feel for some of the things that this system does on a play-by-play basis. So, yeah, I give the advantage to the Rams in this matchup, not by a lot, certainly, but by by the fact that they're home and the way they're playing right now, yeah, they're a little hotter than the New Orleans Saints. And, yeah, I got, you know, the Saints are a little all over the place at times. Even last week, I know they scored 30 points, but it wasn't easy and it was ugly. And they really had to play kind of a field position game against the New York Giants. And, you know, that's the thing that's kind of you know, leaves you wanting more when you watch Derek Carr in the Saints offense right now. Rams are 4-1 in the last five games. The only loss was that overtime thriller against the Ravens. Both teams control their playoff density, as George McFly once said. By the way, Back to the Future streaming on Peacock, one of the perks if you sign up. For Peacock to watch the exclusive holiday back end of the doubleheader game, Bills and Chargers. Lorraine, my density has brought me to you. The playoff <laughs> destiny is controlled by both the Rams and the Saints. But check out these next-gen stats odds. I feel like we need to bring in Steve Kornacki for this. The Rams, if they win tonight, have a 74% chance of making it to the playoffs. Right. If they lose, it drops to 15%. The Saints have a 71% chance of making it to the playoffs with a win tonight. If they lose, it drops to 24%. Now, sometimes my mindset slips into that spot where, number one, how do they even know what these numbers are? And number two, why do we even care? Let's just watch the games play out. But sometimes it's jarring when you see what one loss is going to do to a team's chances in a loose general sense. Whoever loses tonight is kind of screwed. Whoever wins tonight is in pretty good position. It's not quite a de facto playoff game, but boy, when you see how much those numbers change, it gives you an idea of the stakes tonight. If you lose this one, you got an uphill climb to get in. If you win this one, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I I, I hear that, but I I, kind of lean on your first point. There's still football to be played, you know, 
The New Orleans Saints, the NFC South, like, I mean, come on. It's totally up for grabs still. The New Orleans Saints have other avenues to get in here. They could be the seventh seed. They could be the fourth seed. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can certainly lose to the Jags this weekend, and the Saints could lose the, tonight, and we're still sitting there going, well, they're tied at the top of the division. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I don't think this is end-all, be-all here. We know it's a big game. They need to win. The win, as you know, as we're talking about, just gives them more flexibility, too, if they don't win the division to be the six or seven seed. But there's a lot of football left to be played here, certainly. And uh, you know, they're going to get a crack at Tampa Bay next week, too. So that's where I just, you know, I don't understand the low percentages maybe behind that if they lose, you know, on, on tonight. But uh, big game, nonetheless. Certainly playoff I just, I just hope. Yeah. I hope like hell we don't have to go five tiebreakers deep if the Bucks and the Saints have the same record in the NFC South like we're going to have to do if the Eagles and the Cowboys both win out. Five tiebreakers deep. We talked about that yesterday. Strength of victory right now heavily favoring the Eagles. So all the Eagles have to do is beat the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants, and it looks like they'll be the NFC East champions. And speaking of the Eagles, a little old business to get to. Oh, okay. We talked on Tuesday when Chris was in his hammock with his pina colada outdoors, even though it's kind of cold in December. Miles Simmons and I focused on the ill-advised deep throw on first and 10 from the Philadelphia 45 with 13 seconds left, two timeouts. They needed 15 yards for a 58-yard field goal, 20 yards for a 53-yarder, 25 yards for a 48-yarder. They ignored that and fired it deep. And then Chris and I talked yesterday, and Chris had some insight from just the overall play design and the read, and, you know, Julian Love makes a hell of a play on the ball, and it was underthrown, and yada, yada. So yesterday, Nick Sirianni, kind of feisty in his press conference, kind of feeling the pressure a little bit after three straight losses, kind of of unlike him when you see it, when you watch it, a little, a little snippy, with the reporters. He was eventually asked, why take that shot down the field when you're not far out of long field goal range with 13 seconds to play? Here's what Sirianni had to say. At times there, Tim, you, you know, we've seen, um, you know, you can get a pass interference there. Um, you get a and, you know, it was what that was on that particular play, but you can, if you get a pass interference call there, and, and if a team's giving you a one-on-one shot, uh, for you know, very similar to what happened on the other on the other side of the ball, they ended up getting a one-on-one shot that um, you know had had some different things there. We've seen it. We have one-on-one shot against the Rams, um, and you can get a pass interference, and now you're in position to to kick it. Not only could you get a pass interference, also AJ has a tremendous ability to come down with the football um, in one-on-one situations, and you know what? In this particular case, it didn't work out, um, but you know, we're, we're comfortable with, with, with what was called and what we did in that scenario. And, you know, we'll, we'll be better next time because of it. I don't know if you noticed it, Christopher, but about halfway through that explanation, Nick Sirianni did the next scratch that sells to me the idea of, I probably shouldn't be saying this out loud. I probably shouldn't be trying to suggest that we had a strategic component to this play where we thought we're going to get a pass interference call. I've never heard anyone articulate that as a reason for doing something. It is too amorphous. It is too unpredictable. We might get a pa- Yeah, you might get a pass interference call. You always might get a pass interference call. You're not calling a play, are you, with the goal 
of getting a pass interference. I've never seen that happen. And if it has, they've never come out and talked about it. And I think when he did this, he's kind of like, I'm going to go through some things here for saying this out loud. Well, I think it's it was part of the overall calculation of why you do it. Like, I don't think it's pass interference. Let's call this play just so we can get pass interference. It's let's call this play. He's one-on-one. He's a superstar. We are the Eagles. We've done really well in this department throwing go routes to A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, right? He's a special football player. Let's see what happens, and maybe we get pass interference, you know? Now, I'm with you in the fact scratching the neck and uncomfortable and all that. Yeah, he's feeling the pressure. Of course they are. I mean, of course they are. We know that. It's the freaking Philadelphia Eagles, right? I still think most people in football would sit here and look at it and go, it might be the most talented roster in the game. You know, if it's not, it's only second to the 49ers and they've lost three games in a row and and really probably should have lost four in a row, really. So that's where, you know, I think he's feeling the pressure right now. You know, the the play call itself. Okay. Ego cockiness of the Eagles. Sure. Whatever you want to say, you know, I, I, I get that. And I think it's fair to question that, but that's, what's got them where they are. I mean, that's what got them to the Super Bowl last year. They're an aggressive, they put the pressure on you type of football team. And, you know, they don't, if you're going to play man to man on A.J. Brown, they're going to throw it up to A.J. Brown because they go, that's advantage us. Now, like, let's, the, the, the thing is, is, yeah, you know, is it the safe play? Obviously not. There's some risk there. But at the same time, right, I, I don't have a problem with the call. And let's just make sure we're clear here. It was there. It was there for a touchdown. It should it, it was wide open. They, it was the right call. It was a bad throw, really. A bad throw that took a long time to get there, floated in the air, and was, you know, a little too slow or long to, to get to the target, and Julian Love was allowed to, to read it. So that's the big thing. But like we said yesterday when we looked back at this play, Right, I mean, it's it's eight to ten yards underthrown, and it was there, and that's where I'm not going to fault the Eagles too much here for for the play call. You know, I, I I'm not. I still think now. Hang on, hang there. on. Yeah. Timeout. Yeah, I'm calling timeout. Yeah, because you get the pass interference call if it's deliberately underthrown, and what Sirianni's comment would suggest, okay. is it was deliberately underthrown. Because how many times have we seen guy slams on the brakes? to catch an underthrown ball, and the defensive back takes him out, and you get the flag. And I think that is the next question that didn't get asked, and this is a problem with a press conference. A press conference is everybody shows up with their own questions they came up with that are going to really be, you know, great. And I'm not – I'm trying not to be a jerk here. I just – I've been in this setting. You've got your questions you want to ask. And it ricochets from topic to topic. There isn't good follow-up. In fact, the question that was posed to Sirianni was two questions. It started with, was A.J. Brown the primary read before it became, why take a shot downfield? I'd love to know the answer to the question, was A.J. Brown the primary read? And I'd love to know and have a chance to ask, was he supposed to underthrow it there? Was that the play? No, there's no. Because you're not going to draw pass interference. But why, how are you going to draw pass interference? Well, they're just hoping it naturally it happens the within the play itself. Like if it is underthrown or something else, they're just saying. They're saying that's part of the calculation of why they did it. 
It is the absolutely as I explained to you yesterday, and we watched the replay of that play. It was the number one read. That's why they called that play. Like I told you, they called an out and up for specifically to go. Hey, if it's one on one, we want you to throw the out and up to our superstar best player on our offense, right? And that that's why. And I just think it's that is the reason they call it is they like the matchup and they're going. The Eagles were playing to take away the middle of the field because I mean, the Seahawks, excuse me, because the Eagles had timeouts. So they knew that was part of the attack and they took a calculated risk shot to one of the best jump ball receivers in football over the last few years. I don't think it's a deliberately underthrown. Let's try to get a pass interference thing. No, it was just a bad throw. It was a bad throw. It was a little too telegraphed, and Julian Love got a jump on it, and that's where it went from there. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, that's that's not not necessarily a horrible call or thought by them. It's not, you know. But at the same time, you know, I understand there's a less risky avenue they could have taken, certainly to tie it up, and you feel like they were probably the better team on the field, and the longer the game plays out, the better team usually wins, and that would be the Eagles, and I think that's why we're sitting here kind of questioning it all together. You wonder if behind the scenes Sirianni is saying, essentially what you're saying, and maybe even more pointed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to summarize what you're saying here. The ball was underthrown, and it took too long for the ball to get there. Yes. And if the play failed, it was on number one, Jalen Hurts, for not getting the ball out faster and not hanging it up there longer to give A.J. Brown a chance to run under it, catch it, and score the game-winning touchdown. Agreed. With a better throw, that's a game-winning touchdown. Okay. That's, that's your point. That, that's my point, 100%. It would be just like what like, like Nick, Sirianni, Nick Sirianni said. It had been just like what the Seahawks did to the Eagles. They got one-on-one. How dare you're doing this? We're, we, we, gotta, we like our playmakers. We're going to take a shot, right? No, but the, the, it's this continuing, we're going to blame Nick Sirianni in this blind spot by the Eagles fans and people that they just can't ever blame the guy that's on the screen here. He, he escapes criticism almost always, and it's unbelievable. The people on ESPN, they're going to make excuses and do all of that. You know, they're going to have a 30-minute special on Josh Allen turnovers with a B-minus football team, and then it's Jalen Hurts has got as many turnovers as he does with an all-star team, and that's not a problem, and they won't break it down. He's like the Teflon Don in a lot of ways. You can't ever say anything bad about him, and if you do, you get attacked mercilessly. So it's it's crazy that way. But, yes, it was on him. Mercilessly. Mercilessly. Right. I'll get it one, right one of these days. But, yeah, it's on him. They <laughs> dropped the ball, the Eagles, on the offensive side of the ball. The offense failed them the other night. The defense played good enough to win. The Seattle Seahawks defense sucks. And the most talented offense in football scored 17 freaking points. And the quarterback threw two horrible interceptions. That goes on Jalen Hurts in the offense. So that's just the facts of the matter. And it's amazing how the excuses that constantly got to get make up, made up for the player at times. And it drives me crazy, as you know. Wouldn't it be funny if we could just swap Jalen Hurts to the Bills for Josh Allen to the Eagles and see how it would go? I don't want to get you down that rabbit hole. Just something for people to think about. I want, I want to let you hear a little more Nick Sirianni. <laughs> okay. Here he is asked a very, a very significant question because they made the coaching change on the defensive side of the ball. Sean Desai exiled to the booth. Matt Patricia now the de facto defensive coordinator. Why make the coaching change at defensive coordinator? 
why not make the coaching change at offensive coordinator with Brian Johnson? Here's Sirianni's response. You know, make no mistake about it. Like this offense is being run the exact same way the offense was run last last year and the year before that. This offense is in is my offense, right? This is my offense, and so the criticism on the offense, like I think, unfairly goes to Brian. Brian calls the plays. Brian calls the plays. It unfairly goes to Brian. The criticism on this offense should come at me. But make no mistake about it, this offense has been consistently this similar throughout the three years. Yes, there's different things you do based off your personnel and different things you do uh, based off the, the teams that you're playing and what's working for you. But again, it, it all starts there with me. And so I guess I would, uh, you know, I'm not thinking that, that a change needs to be made there uh, for multiple reasons, and that's one big one. Well, and look, I'm not suggesting that he's lying when he says that, but the last thing he wants anyone to believe is that Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator last year, was more responsible for the success of the team than the head coach was. Because if you start down this path, if you start saying anything other than it's me, it's my offense, people are going to say, well, wait a minute, maybe it would have been better if you'd have gone to coach the Colts and we would have just promoted Shane Steichen to head coach if he's the guy who was making this offense as special as it was last year. So that's dangerous territory for Nick Sirianni because he quickly talks himself into a spot where people are saying, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe we should get Shane Steichen back. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, I 100% agree with you there, right? And, you know, he could say what he wants, but Shane Steichen's a special brain a special offensive game plan designer he's he's really good that way now like break it down a little bit here hey the defensive side why they make the change with Sean Desai and all that too I don't think they ever really thought or wanted to make Sean Desai the defensive coordinator right you know there there's there's that thought out there and you know there's some people in the know that certainly have uh led me to believe that way you know, and there's the thought out there that really they wanted Fangio, right? And then Fangio, you know, uh, Nick Gannon was there. And then Fangio signed with the Dolphins, and then Gannon left. And then the Eagles were like, oh, no, who's our D coordinator? So I don't think, like, Sean Desai was candidate number one to be the guy. The organization was sold on it. So I think that allows them to make the move a little bit. On the other side, they knew Shane Steichen was leaving. They knew he was gone before the end of the year, no matter what. Brian Johnson was always the plan, the guy to take over and be that guy. So I think they're comfortable with that, with their offseason and how they plan that whole thing out all together. You know, you say the right things too, right? I mean, you're right. He's got to be careful there. He can't give too much credit to, you know, Shane Steichen. Everyone's going to be like, why did we let him go and why did we keep you? There's no doubt about that. The offense isn't necessarily so much different right but like you hear me say all the time it's how it's packaged it's how it's put together it's the the sequencing of how you run plays that's where Shane Steichen was really special and that's where I think Brian Johnson is not quite on that level yet as far as figuring out how to package things together how to make one play look the same you know or two plays look the same but they're really different right? The smoke and mirrors of, hey, look over here, but we're going to do that. That's where Shane Steichen's special. And I think that's where, you know, again, they're finding their way with this new offensive coordinator. And maybe, maybe Nick Sirianni's got to get even involved more in, in helping out in that department. We'll see where it goes, but it's disappointing. Nonetheless, that offense, the best O-line in football, 
right? And you've heard me say they've only got like two or three runs. There needs to be more there. And then those two receivers, which you could argue is definitely top two or three duos in the NFL, right? Good running backs, damn good tight end. There's no way this offense should be playing the way they've played the last four to five weeks. There's no way. And that, that's definitely a concern as, as we get close to the playoffs. We need to take a break soon. I say that uh, to, Damn, it's as a preface to the fact that I'm, I'm not going to take one yet because we need to hear and witness how this stress of the Eagles all of a sudden not having things come so easily. They went from 10-1, and one, running the show, those Eagles fans that are crazed for another Super Bowl. Winning one in 2017 just made them even more determined to get another one. Here's Nick Sirianni yesterday, and just watch and listen to just what's percolating through. He was asked, how are you holding your players accountable during this losing streak? Here's what he had to say. Same methods I use when, when, uh, when we're winning. It's the exact same. Um, when you change who you are or you change your uh, core values based off of wins and losses, you're gonna, that's when you're going to lose the team. You don't have to voice all your criticisms of Jalen when he does something wrong publicly. But is it being told to him in the meeting room that when I'm going to keep our conversations, like I said to the other guy, I'm going to keep my conversations with the players uh, between me and the players. Accountability is our number three core value. And it's only number three because it came in that order. Connect, compete, accountability. They're not in any order. So accountability, you could, again, when Chris asked me a question, accountability, I didn't say something to Chris that I'm not saying to you right now. Accountability is the, the main main one of the main core values we have and we live by those every single day go ahead dave and then tim hey nick uh i think you'd probably agree that the standard hasn't been met on either I just, side yeah, i just said that uh two seconds ago go ahead. yeah a little feisty yeah i like and, it nick siriani i like it he's yeah. mad he's he's yeah well, he's pissed off i like it he's feeling the heat he's feeling yeah, the heat you right. know the thing is the best way to be the coach of the Eagles is to make sure that the fans are pissed off on someone on the outside, which is when they're winning, they find somebody to be pissed off at on the outside, as you well know. Right. <laughs> yes, <experience>. Seriously. <laughs> when things aren't going well, they find people on the inside to get pissed off at. They're always pissed off. And I love that. It's not a criticism. It's just an observation. Eagles fans are always pissed off about something. When it's going well, they're pissed off about someone like you. When it's not not going well, they're pissed off about somebody. And I think that part of what Sirianni's trying to do here is run interference for the guy that they gave the huge contract to. I think a lot of this is we have to protect Jalen from the Eagles fans. We can't have the Eagles fans turn on the quarterback right. because we're kind of stuck for the yeah. next several years right. with this contract. And if they start criticizing him, the next step is why did you idiots give him the big contract? And I'm not saying they're idiots for giving him the big contract. I'm just saying That's the they're trying step. to yeah. seal this off right. before it becomes a thing. Yeah. They're trying to make sure that the Eagles fans who are currently looking for someone on the inside to be pissed off, just be pissed off at me as the head coach. Cause that's better than if you start saying, like you're saying, accurately, I would, I would agree. That throw at the end of the game, different quarterback throws a touchdown, walk-off winner. Jalen Hurts throws a ball that doesn't get there. And 
If you say that now, Eagles fans say you're an asshole. But the Eagles are trying to make sure that that, that remains the case. Yeah. That right. their guy that they've anointed continues to and, – and works through this. And yeah, you know, they find a way right. to make him better and right. all the cliches. Yeah. But, but I feel like they're trying to protect him. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. I think that's, that is part of it, and it's part of who they are, right? And they want their own team to continue their belief in Jalen Hurts. And then Jalen Hurts, of course, is you know, a top-notch human being and worker, and he's like, he, he does all the things that Nick Sirianni was trying to say that are the core principles of the team. You know, he stands for all of that, the accountability, the, you know, the preparation, the connecting, whatever, you know, other core values he was uh, assessing there or talking about. You know, he's, he's the poster child for the Eagles. And, yeah, as you've heard me say before, and, and this is true with a lot of great organizations, they, they, don't want, they want the quarterback to be a guy that the whole team believes in and looks at and, oh, we can win because he's here. And that's the aura that Jalen Hurts has, and it's taken a little bit, you know, of a of a, a hit here as of late. And they want to keep that aura alive and belief as they go into the playoffs and late in the season. And then I think when you accompany that with all the things that you said, yeah, I think that's very true of what's going on right there. They don't want any finger pointing at any players right now. He'll take the heat for for whatever for whatever subject he's got to, but he's going to keep that locker room in order and he's especially going to keep his quarterback propped up as the number one guy in that organization. What do you think A.J. Brown was thinking Well, when he was open down the sideline? What right. do you think he's thinking? He's thinking, guy's got to get me the ball. And that's one of the things that I think Sirianni's getting at. We can't have A.J. Brown starting to act like the receiver we're going to talk about in the next segment. We can't have A.J. Brown complaining to his teammates we need him on board with this we don't need others to say Jalen something Jalen's not yeah. getting the ball to where yeah. he needs to right. be right right yeah and it What's feels like there's offense? a little the of that quarterback year, isn't right? distributing the ball right it feels yeah. like there's a little of that I mean we know they had their little kerfuffle on the sideline during you know early in the season and you can watch the game. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to watch A.J. Brown and his body language sometimes with some of these throws or missed opportunities where, you know, what do you think his frustration was when he got bumped on the sidelines by the Seahawks, you know, practice squad players and all that? He was going, damn, I'm open by five yards down the sideline and the ball landed behind me and out of bounds, right? So that was part of the frustration why he wanted to beat up everybody on the Seahawks sideline too, Right. And that, and you could if you watch closely, you see that a number of times through the last few weeks of play over people, the receiver, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, look back at the quarterback like, damn, I'm, I'm open or you had me. And why didn't I get the ball or why is it inaccurate? And I, I think that they're trying to do damage control in that department and make sure. Yeah, like you're saying, those guys don't show up the quarterback and this becomes a, a big talking point in Philadelphia and everywhere else. And Brown and Hertz are very close. Hertz is one of the reasons Brown is there. So there's less of a likelihood that there's going to be an issue. But this is Sirianni, I think you and I agree, trying to keep an issue from happening. Something Mike Tomlin failed to do with receiver George Pickens. It's now gotten to the point where Tomlin is adding press conferences to his weekly schedule just to talk about his embattled receiver. George Pickens. We'll let you hear what Tomlin had to say on Wednesday when PFT Live continues right after this. 
Suffering from aches and pains? The all-new Tempur-Pedic Adapt Mattress eases your pressure points all night, every night. Now, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets at TempurPedic.com. Select adjustable mattress sets only. Lesser savings may apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 